Hey, welcome back to the program. Carrie, we are going to get started with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the gift of this month dedicated to our Mother Mary. Mother Mary, please draw close to each of us who are praying right now that we would uh, welcome you more fully into our lives as a mother. And so we ask as well that you would intercede for us and for all mothers. I pray for all mothers that have uh, died in this past year, that they would be truly resting in their heavenly home. We do pray for their salvation and uh, quick release from purgatory if they are still being cleansed. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the Father, and the Amen. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't think we're resting in heaven. I think it's a great, overwhelming inebriation of joy, hope, like cannot imagine. So when they say eternal rest, grant unto him, O Lord, I think, I don't want to get to heaven and just rest. <laughs> that doesn't sound very satisfying. I want to do something. So when they say rest, you know what they're talking about. A uh, piece of your soul. Yeah, they're talking about that you're home. You're, you're in the place where you belong, and you're in that place of arrival, right? You're, you're no longer on the journey. Like on earth, we're on the journey. And the, finally, we get to arrive to our home. Okay, now, when saints talk about heaven, do they talk about heaven as rest or as a dynamic movement into God? Yes, a dynamic <laughs> movement into God. It's both. It's both. And and how can it simultaneously be both? I'm glad you say that because I, Did I say that? Well <laughs> it was a good it was a good lead in. Whether or not you said it or even thought it, <laughs> it's actually a great lead in dear. To one of the books that I have here. I got a pile of books and you have a pile of books. I do? I have one I brought down. I have three. one book. Okay. No, I brought down well, well for me? Yeah. Oh. Well, you those want me are to the books. Wait, you want me on the top? You have no, your no, no, book no. on That's, confession? Uh, those are my books. Are you hoping I read this this summer? Have you ever read my book on confession? I've read parts of it. I confess. I've read parts of it. That's good. So you read the first part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did it. I did it. I, I, I'm going to accuse myself. I have not read the book. Uh, do you remember the five sentences? Yes. The subtitle of the book is Confession, Five Sentences That Will Heal Your Life. Isn't that awesome? If you, if you knew five sentences that would heal your life, wouldn't you want to know those sentences? My favorite sentence is, I will make up for it. Really? Yes. I thought it was going to be, I'll never do it again. That's my, I, the one I like the least <laughs> because I feel like I'm going to do it again. <laughs> okay. So for those that are listening and have no idea what we're talking about, what are these five sentences? Okay. Really? Yeah. You, uh, you put me on the spot. I, I did, did it. it. Yep. I am sorry. Mm -hmm. I Forgive me. For, oh, forgive me. That's the part. Of, forgive me. Whoops. Pause that. Um, I will make up for it. I'll never do it again. Yeah. And why those five sentences? Those are the acts of the penitent in the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, otherwise known as confession. And so when we go to confession, there are certain acts that we, the penitents, do. The first act is we accuse ourselves. I did it. And we, when we express those acts of uh, self-accusation, we do so with authentic sense of disgust out of love for what we've done. That's contrition. I'm sorry. And then we petition the Lord for forgiveness, because that's what he does. He reconciles. So we say, forgive me. And then we do a penance. And the penance is, I'll make up for it. And that's not the same as forgiveness, but it is repairing the damage. And then there's the resolution to never do it again. I'll never sin again. That, that is part of going to confession. There you go. So I wrote a book on it. It's a great book. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you've sold most of them all. I don't know if you have any. They're all the gone. Yeah. yeah. I went to the men's conference and they're all gone. So a lot of big sinners there. Yes. Yes. That's what it well, is. Well, and you remember, I, one of the things I came back with was not only just like talking to the guys, but then I prayed with the guys at the end. And do you know why I did that? Because of you. Thank you. You're welcome. You were very good. Oh, well, I think that uh, just coming back from a big conference having the presence of people that are in leadership or have a sense of God or there's a weightiness to having their presence. I think it's important. It's part of the event. 
Um, back to those five sentences, I think in raising kids, the one that we come to a lot is, of course, you know, I did it, I'm sorry, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But when they say, I will make up for it, sometimes we will have them do each other's chores or clean an area or uh, do something kind to actually show, you know, there's a way in which you repair, because there is damage done and sometimes really deep, hard damage can be done in the home life by things and comments and ways we treat each other. And so really trying to repair that damage is important. And not all kids are ready for that. Some kids don't have that faith walk yet, and they don't understand or they don't, they're not penitent. They're not sorry that they hurt their sibling because they're really mad or angry or they have yet to have the love of God come into their heart and soften and love them. And so you're watching this constant train wreck because you can't stop your son or daughter from treating the other in a really bad way if they are not open to Christ's love and his healing. And so as a parent, you're just sitting there watching this happen week after week, month after month, year after year. And so you're really trying to figure out, Lord, how, because that damage is being done to that child. And I don't know. I know this is nothing to do what we're no, talking about, but well, this, is this happens this, in this homes. Is, this is a big deal while you think about it. And uh, I've talked to a lot of priests about this book because uh, I've gone around giving all these talks. And of those five sentences, which sentence would they say in their experience is the hardest one for their penitence? I did it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll make up for it. I'll never do it again. Right? So the confession, um, the contrition, the petition, the satisfaction or penance, and the resolution. So those five acts, which is the hardest? I'm sorry. No. no one down, four to go. Okay, not I did it. Oh, yeah, wait, that I did is. It. I did it? Yeah, Just accusing yourself? It's the very act of self-accusation. I love accusing myself. Well, I... I find such freedom in it. It's like, yes, I did it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I constantly am confessing stuff to people, and they look at me funny, but and it's that's it. so freeing. <laughs> it's like, well, and, and this is the old, like that old saw, that when if you ever go to a talk on confession, what does sin make you do? Hide. Hide. Yeah. You don't want to come out into the open. What you'd rather keep hidden because you feel ashamed, you're guilty, you feel caught. You don't want to bring it out into the open because there's a gotcha. If you don't believe that what awaits you is mercy, then there's no reason to come out into the open. And it's that reason why the church says that confession is a sacrament of healing and that Jesus in the confessional at work through the priest is the divine physician. He's there to heal the spiritual disease of sin that is wreaking havoc on our lives. But he can only heal you if you bring and expose the disease. It just so It's so easy to say that, but existentially, it's so difficult to accuse ourselves. Hmm. So in family life, I, they, kids don't want to say, I did it. You know what? I did it. No, you know what they're gonna say? I didn't do it. He did it. She he did, did it. it. She did. Or say nothing. Walk. Walk away. Maybe no one will notice. No, they'll just say they don't say. They'll say I didn't do it. Usually, they'll just I jump didn't up. Do to, it. Especially if they're in our home where I'm blaming them a lot for things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're. I didn't do it, mom. Well, and and then the rationalization. I didn't mean it. It was an accident. So then they don't know how to say I'm sorry. Like, I, okay, I did it, but it was an accident. I did it. Get over it. I did it. Well, you did worse. Yes. I did it. You did something it's a, there's first. There's a lot of deflecting in our our hearts and minds. Even when you and I argue about something and we're in our in our different corners, like you're in one bedroom and I'm in another room, and we're quietly brewing to ourselves, oh, if he just doesn't understand, why does he do it? And then there's this softening. and It's like, oh, yeah, first you have to get through the fire and the anger, and then the heart softens. And then I am able to say, oh yeah, I was kind of terrible. (laughs) I really did not treat Tom well, or I need to repair this. I was not fair. You didn't treat me well. You can look me in the eyes as you say this. I'm looking at the beautiful sunset. You're you're, you're looking out the window. You're not looking at your (laughs) husband. You should be looking at your husband when you say this. I can't process uh, auditorily looking someone directly in the eye. That's funny. Earlier in the week when we were in one of those like moments, remember, remember I was looking at the chair. I could not look oh, in yeah. the eyes. <laughs> I've had that happen where I can't look at you because I'm mad about something and I'm just trying to get through the conversation I just yeah. and I cannot receive. Well, I was just looking at the chair and I'm like, yes. I'm going to say this clearly. <laughs> 
<laughs> slowly. I'm gonna kind of keep the uh, contain con- contain Mount uh, the volcano from he- erupting here, and uh, and I thought, well, maybe that would make it work. But you said heart soften. That's a grace from God. That's not just automatic. But that does happen most times when we well, reconcile. Us, yeah, but I we- don't feel like we terribly damage each other. And so I'm trying to imagine if you said really horrible things, it would be hard. And I just feel like maybe I've been graced to not have awful, horrible things said to me. I'm not sure, Tom. Because I don't want to say, oh, we soften and it's easy. It's really hard. And it always comes to self-accusation. It's always, okay, I failed. I was wrong. I am weak. I, and then I realized I need to love him in so many other ways. There's so many ways in which I don't love him well. This is just such a dumb thing. And and then the forgiveness part comes easy. But maybe that's with years of marriage. I, I can remember sometimes when we were earlier married, earlier married, in our early years, um, sometimes those fights would last like 24 hours. Yeah, I, I don't like that idea. Oh, Maybe hold three your hand days. when I you're think fighting. The, oh, the longest well, one was, was my birthday. Wait, <laughs> just two years ago. <laughs> that, that was you, the Madame worst Man? birthday ever. Yeah. No. Yes. It went back and forth. And that was my birthday and I wasn't talking to you. So you couldn't. <laughs> oh, I shut myself in my bedroom and cried. Anyhow, that went on for like three days. I think you actually left town for a few days. And that made it worse, I think. I don't remember, actually. Well, I didn't like. I didn't leave town because of the fight. I left town because of work. <laughs> just to clarify, it Tom doesn't took sound off. right. Tom it took off for terrible. a month. <laughs> he just took himself and put himself in timeout. Um, that's funny because uh, there's something in this book I was reading about. It's when you're tired at night. And I was sharing this on the radio previously that after 8.39, I get really weak. And in my, when, in my tiredness, I sin more. I don't have the strength to be virtuous or to be kind or to be long-suffering or patient, blah, blah, blah. And I notice, and I, I'm sure this happens with most people, as, as the day wears on and the night comes, there's a real tiredness. And I just want to go to bed because I feel so useless almost. I probably That's probably not the exact word. And if I could just go to my room... I won't, <laughs> I won't cause any more friction or issues. And it's just like I want to shut everything down. It was inter- I don't know. I, I was just thinking. So now I'm thinking maybe I could just go to bed like at 6 o'clock at night. See you guys. I'm done. I'm going. Put myself in timeout so I don't cause any uh, irreverences. I'm partly joking. I will not be going to bed at six o'clock. No, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of that. I was. I stopped listening a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's what I would do. Just tune it out. Well, I I was thinking about my kids and forgiveness because those five sentences in the book confession. By the way, it's free on mycatholicfaith.org digital version. Download it. the uh, the five sentences, I did it, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'll make up for it, I'll never do it again. We used those for years in our home to teach our kids how to reconcile. Should we bring that back this summer? We are gearing up for the summer of a lifetime. I said to my husband, we're going to look back 10 years from now and go, remember the summer of 2023? We had all those kids home. It was. It'll never be the same. Yeah, and what you're talking about is we're going to have eight of our nine kids at home for the summer. And so in our ninth, we'll be visiting. So we'll have all the kids home for at least a handful of days. Um, but the, the bigger thing is the three kids that are in college, well, one just finished the missionary year, Ariana, and she's coming back to go off to college. Um, they'll be here all summer. And it's, I, I love how you kind of caught on to that. This was a few months ago where you caught on to that and said, what are we going to do to to plan for the summer. So I, I love that you have that sense of awareness to do that. Well, uh, Carrie, what begins to break? When we come back, um, I want to talk about that because there are, there are a few insights or, or threads to pull on there that I think are so important and relevant for folks who are listening. And we'll tell you about them in just a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my lovely wife, Carrie. 
on Mother's Day Eve Eve. Is that, nice. is that a thing? The eve I, of, of the eve of Mother's Day. Everything's Guys, allowed. this is the, you're welcome. You are so <laughs> welcome. You should have seen all the flowers at Walmart that were all lined up in Costco. I was uh, I made the Costco Walmart trip today. It was crazy. And then all the plants and the uh, I was in a couple of nurseries. Everyone buying. Were there a guy sweating, looking nervous with handkerchiefs That happens out, like, on Saturday. Eyes wide open. <laughs> Sunday oh, that happens morning. Sunday morning at 630. <laughs> Those are terrible memories. Very triggered. But I did actually ask Mary Grace if she could organize an herb garden. Could you put together a little garden? And then it went from that to, in like maybe this, that, and the other vegetables. And then how about some fruit trees? And no, I was teasing her. But well, I do have a list. So they're coming back. And wait, you want wait, to make we're talking memories. about Mother's Day. I, we'll get in there. Get back. I, I want to finish back. No, there were, there were like a couple of key things. This was about. a key parenting insight that these are two, two new insights connected to college years that I didn't, it, I, it weren't, they weren't so firmly or strongly uh, alive in me. The first was, while we have always recognized it's important to be aware of what college your kids go to. And so if you want your kids to, to be Catholic, stay Catholic, and grow as Catholics, well, you want to send them to one of those Newman Guide colleges and uh, emphasize that in terms of forming your kids towards that. But no, it's like it's more urgent than that. It's not just, oh, that's interesting guidance. I think I'll follow it. No, it's way more serious than that. Listen on Monday. You'll hear Father Lewis and I talk about the calamity happening in the church today, the calamity that has been unfolding today, and what we need to do to respond to it. And one of them is, Carrie, it's not enough just for us to pay attention to our kids when they're in our home, K through 12. But we've got to sincerely, really focus in on what they're doing in grades 13 through 16, (laughs) in their college years, that that also really needs to be a time of even sheltering formation. They need to have a degree of sheltered formation. And there are not many colleges that do that. Yes. I'm reading about the next point I want to make. Okay, great. I'm not even listening to you. Isn't that what you said earlier? I'm off thinking about something else. How do do you feel about it? Is that one of those? Well, the other one was um, that the kids are actually out of your house. Like, Like, when do your kids leave your home? I thought, oh, well, it's after they finish college and then they move on to work. No, it's after high school. When they end up spending more months of the year away at college than they do at home, which is essentially the summer. But, Tom, that even happens in high school where they're gone at school all day and then let's say they have a sport or a job. And so even high school can be a time where kids are leaving the home and you're feeling less and less connected unless there's real intentional efforts. So I would say the high school years, it begins, that separation begins. And in homes or in cultures where it's really difficult, you see a clear division of parent authority over the child or the teenager. And it can be a very um, divisive home. We've experienced that. So yeah, there's a happy note. <laughs> Isn't it so? And this is about Mother's Day. It's but been... I, I'm excited because um, the three girls coming home have all grown in their faith tremendously in the last year. God has, in the last two years, and God has really blessed them. And there's been a ton of grace. And so I'm just so grateful to God. This is a side of the fight, the battle that I didn't know we would ever get to or would ever be on because we spent so many years wondering when will they connect to faith in God and love the Lord and, and go strong. And so I don't, I don't take it for granted. And I know, it, yes, it's our prayers, but yes, it's God's grace. And yes, it was moving to a different culture environment for sure. Those have all contributed and going to right, the right schools, I think. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, we were at a couple of concerts the last week at the Oaks. Oh yeah. For, well, all of our kids, there was, a, there was the, K through five? Yes. K through five concert and then the six through 12 concert. And I'm just, I was so moved. I was so moved just because of, not, not just because, oh, it was pretty singing, but just the whole spirit, the culture, the atmosphere, the, the, the joy in, in the midst of the families, the, 
look at how many families we know, and we know that these are people of real faith. And to watch our kids sing in the midst of all of that is, I, I use the word, it's not beautiful, it's glorious. Do you know what glory is? It's divine beauty. It really is glorious when you see your kids worship through song at Mass. When I see them pick up the book, um, the the mu- the hymnal, the missal hymnal, <laughs> yes, and um, that really just moves my heart. And it's been more and more. I think what was so neat about that concert is the kids were really excited about it. They're very proud of the songs they sing. They're engaged with all their peers, like all the guys are up there singing. Um, the choir is several days a week, and so it's very involved at. Uh, classical well, that's one Christian. of the gifts of a classical school is that, that the arts is an integral part of human formation and human education. And the, the orchestra was amazing. Yeah, the high school one. It was just so good. Yeah. I was like, what? I wanted my kids like, oh, they need to sing. Do you have a song? A song to play? Oh, you want to hear a song? Yeah, I want to hear the uh, a gold, Go Down Moses, Let's Go, you the do? high school one. I don't know if I well, have Well, they also that. had a beautiful one, uh, the... Didn't you record one of them uh, from the... Oh, I have one here. Well, this was... Um, this song is the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. So it's all the boys and girls. There's about, I would say, 60 of them up there, 70. Um, yeah, 60, 30, 30, 30, 90. Maybe 100 kids. I don't know. But, minus the orchestra. Um, it's neat how... the It's the fruit that you see. I think that's so beautiful, is... The love and, and that the kids all are singing similar songs. So just having them sing together. Um, music is so powerful. I just don't think I appreciate just how powerful, influential, molding, for, formative it can be. And anyhow, here's um, Oh Shenandoah. Do you like? I love that song. Isn't it Shenandoah? Shenandoah, yeah. The, I didn't know. I thought it was in Ireland somewhere for some reason. Because <laughs> the no, song. This is like Americana. These were like American songs. Yes, I know. It's like the, the Shenandoah, Shenandoah Valley. Yes, but I yeah. thought for some reason because I listened to this Irish, um, these Irish songs like by Irish singers, and they sing the song, and I thought it was somewhere in Ireland until they sing. The, I was listening to the lyrics. I go, okay, wait, this is somewhere over in the United States. Honey, I think you should just play the song. <laughs> that is not- all right. This is just a tiny clip. I don't even know. This is not going to sound very good, but that's okay. It's definitely not going to sound good. But imagine a whole bunch of kids singing their hearts out, boys and girls. <laughs> There's a little clip. That's enough. That's really beautiful. Oh. Oh, can you play my favorite though? Do, do you have that other clip? Or, I have a bunch of clips. Which one do you want? Well, the, the I like the high school Moses one, song? the Go Down Moses. That's what they ended with, which was so powerful. Because uh, now you have the whole high school. Just play the beginning. Just like 10 okay. seconds, Carrie. It's so okay. cool. This is the high school group, and there's about, I don't know how many's in that choir. I would say. So it's, uh, it's 9th through 12th. Okay. enough yeah that's great uh it was just powerful well what's powerful is the way that they're taught to harmonize and they they actually know how to sing like oh you be alto you be mezzo soprano <laughs> you is, be this is us who <laughs> uh, sing. i i can i can i know soccer <laughs> i can do i soccer. can coach basketball <laughs> They have learned how to sing, that sight read notes and all of that, and, and learned music and harmony. It's So I think this summer it'd be awesome to incorporate that into family prayer, like worship songs. Oh, that's great. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I that's my goal. Well, Carrie, I like what you did. You witnessed to the fact that the laboring in the vineyard of raising our kids in faith, we went through, we went through hell, and... I don't uh, think it was hell. Well, it was it was hellish, hell-like. I think hell would be. It, I. It was terrible. It was hard. Yeah, maybe you. Well, it was, it was. It was. It was. Well, it was serious trials and difficulties that extended over the course of many years, and it could have. 
led to a lot of other damage, except for the mercy of God and the grace he gave us to uproot and, and make serious decisions and take serious action. That's true. I could not have done that another year. <laughs> I was like, I can't stay here. It's just too hard. Well, <sighs> so, um, but to see now, like our daughter who really suffered to move here, say, I just finished the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of St. Louis de Montfort. Just We'll just have her on with her sisters. They can share their story. Because I don't think we can really do it justice, the, the joy and the the freedom yeah. and the purity of which I see their hearts in a new way. I mean, of course, we're all on the journey, and this is a great, they're in a great place, but, you know, life life treks on, so. Right, that's true. So, uh, Mother's Day. Let's get to... Was that the quote you wanted to read about Mother's Day? Because I want to give a key, a big key. You said acts of service. What are you talking about there? I know this is this is something that men don't realize enough. I've been married 29 years to you. And 29 in August, Carrie. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. If we say 28, it doesn't feel as... When you say 29, 29. you think 30. Yes, you're right. I did. And then you think old. Uh, Mother's Day, I think I've mentioned, it's very emotional. Mother's... It's a, it's almost a harder day for moms because I think I think we pour out so much and we want to be appreciated and affirmed. That's really what moms want is I see mom all that you do. I see how hard you work. I see even if your mom doesn't work hard, <laughs> just say it. <laughs> I see all the ways in which you you feel your shortcomings and that you see how you fall short and that you would like uh, to do, do not more. say how you see your mom falling short. Do not say that. No, I think moms feel that way. Oh, I'm talking from the sorry. the eye, and so there's this ache to be a, an amazing mom. There is this desire that I want to, and so I, I, in my own heart and mind and thought, think, Lord, I, I don't, I fall short. I miss the step. I, there's so much more I wish I did, or I could do, or whatever. And so there's this, this gap, and so Mother's Day. You want those siblings, your children, your spouse to see how hard you try. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very, very articulate, but it can be a very emotional day for moms. So go big or go home. That's my advice. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let me be more specific, guys. Write down the following notes. Okay. <laughs> Gary Chapman, five love languages, right? Acts of service, gift giving, words of affirmation, uh, affection, displays of affection, and quality time. Those are the five ex- ways of expressing love. And what you'll typically want to do is to love your wife or your mother in a way that is fitting for you, what you like to do. Oh, great. Because I love to love in this way. That means she's going to love being re- receiving love in this way. That's not the case. So just ponder for a minute, what does your wife, what does the mother in your life enjoy the most? Is it quality time? Is it gift giving? Is it uh, words of affirmation? And that those can be written or spoken. Is it uh, displays of affection? Or is it acts of service? And love your wife or the mother in your life in that way. And I think for guys, it's really preparing your kids to step up and help it's really the father who leads the kids to love the wife, the mother. Hey, guys, she's actually, so, I know she's talking about guys, but she's talking to me. Like <laughs> okay. No, I, guys, I can she now, is actually talking you can, to me. You, you're not off the hook, so to speak, because you have now children who are old enough yes. to be responsible adults to love their mother, um, but you still lead the charge. It's, but it's so weird because I would never want acts of service on Father's Day. That is not what I want. And and it's so hard for me to think that you really, really, really enjoy on Mother's Day having all of your kids and me work, 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 get out in the yard, (laughs) do on the honeydew list, fixing things. There's so many things that need to be done around this house that you just don't, that's not your way of being. You are being. Oh, that was so sweet. Uh, was that a positive? I don't think Did so. Did you just say that as a positive? There's so many things that need to be done. It's like, oh, we're going to fall off the cliff. Anyhow, it, it pressures me. I don't want it to, and I, I wish it wasn't such a burden. I, I think it the stresses Lord. you. It presses me. Oh, it presses from on all you. A- no, it stresses <laughs> you, and then you pressure me. So, all right. Uh, Do we have, when, when's our next therapy? Is that where's tomorrow? your next 
Well, we haven't been in therapy in a long time. Yeah. Maybe we should, though. Maybe this summer. <gasps> hey, that'll be Fa- good. Dr. Bob Schutz has a book out on marriage, and there's five areas that he covers. Does he really? Like, yeah, like communication, uh, spirituality, relational, I think uh, maybe sexual. Uh, there's like five areas where you you get with your partner and you try to work through healing or something. I I took a screenshot of the book when I was at Franciscan. I was in the library. We had like an hour to kill. And I was like, I should read this this summer with my husband. Or we could do a book club thing, Not on, maybe not on Fridays, but read it and then each week cover a chapter on marital something or another. You mean it, in, on the program? Yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. And I don't know if anyone wanted to pick up a book and read about marriage. It looked like an easy read. Yeah. It, hey, it's like God. God is easily pleased, but he's not easily satisfied. He's not? Isn't that powerful? He's easily pleased. He's just smile at him with love and just say, Father, I love you in Jesus' name. And he just, you, you get a smile on the, okay. in the, on the face of God. But is he satisfied? Is there? I don't even think that's a word God, I would relate to the Father. Father, hey, are you satisfied? It's Abraham Heschel. Oh, is it? Okay, I can't it's argue Abraham with Heschel. him. You can't a- a- argue with Abraham Heschel. Brilliant. All right, Carrie, we're up against a break. When we come back, we're going to get around to your, we, we haven't talked about anything on my list yet. So, or these on my <laughs> What about your list? Okay, we're going to go to Carrie's list first. Uh, I've got a good list too, though. All right, back in a minute with more of the program. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran along with my wife, Carrie. Please go to our podcast, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. Carrie, come on. Uh, it's great. Go, yeah. go, so, you go. What's hey. the word? You don't register, you sign up, you. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. What? I'm so worried about you. I hope you don't have what your mom had. Never mind. Okay. My mom had brain cancer. I know, but you're like losing like simple words like five times today. Carrie, that's a, that's a concussion. That's that's the the effect of my concussion but and the tiredness. But like maybe because you're tired today. Yeah, uh, it's been an exhausting week. Okay, I'll give you space. I just it makes me like, oh, is he okay? Oh, good. So that means I can just <laughs> drop a word now and then, and my wife is going to be more comforting. Actually, Will you be more comforting? <laughs> yes, if you start yes. acting like you don't know what's going on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> You're delirious. I'm like, honey, what is wrong with you? Well, oh. all right. I want to talk about my walk and the majesty of God in limbo. Let's do that. Okay, so you want to do that? Yes. Oh, great. Go, Tom. So, I'm, so speaking of my head, I just was so tired. From all of this thinking I'm doing. Oh, that's what it is. Because you've been a lot more pressured, it's triggering more concussionary. Is that a word? Impacts? Yeah. yeah. So my, I've been, my brain sense. has been in fifth gear all week. Okay. I've got a number of transactions, real estate transactions, listings that I'm, uh, people that I'm serving and talking to. And there's all these, all these steps in the process, right? And it's all leading up to today. Today is a big deal. Friday's a big deal. So... Uh, I, on Thursday, I was so tired. I just said, I need to go take a walk. I just need to get out, clear my head, not listen to a talk, not no technology, just be out in, in the beauty, uh, the beauty of nature. It's gorgeous, huh? Just gorgeous. I said, honey, let's take a walk together. And you said, no. no. I'm going to stay here and read my book. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I, no, to... no, that's not what I said. I said, I've been outside all day today, weeding and mowing lawns and <laughs> putting down weed killer, and I don't need to be outside anymore. I'm done. I'm going to sit here and read my book. <laughs> I said it almost like that. That you was think... good. That was good. <laughs> I think that I'm actually so triggered again. I want to go take another walk. <laughs> so, so I took a walk. Spring. And so as I'm walking up the hill from our house up towards the top of the hill, it happened to be at that time where the sun was oh, yeah. kind of coming down. It was at the at the level where when I was walking, I was like I was walking right towards the sun. So the sun was like right right there at the top of the hill, at the crest yeah. of the hill, and I was walking towards it. It had like the orange soft glow of the evening twilight. No, not at all. Darn. Just not go yet. with me, honey. Now, this was the blazing. Oh, God. I was watching the sunset right here, though. It was orange and, and so glowy. immediately, what did I think of? Revelation 1. Of course. Of course. Yes. Why wouldn't you think of Revelation 1? Revelation 1, John, the apostle, is drawn up into heaven, and he hears the voice of Jesus that sounds like 
mighty waters. Okay. So it's like, boom, it has that power to it. It's like, uh, let, let, let thy people go, right? Moses, right. get on Moses. So uh, John turns and he looks at Jesus and he said when he looked at the face of Jesus, it was uh, brighter than bright white wool, his, his hair, and his face shone like the sun at its brightest. Oh. And so as I looked at the sun and I couldn't even look at it, I just thought of Jesus the, the glorified risen Lord, I thought of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I thought of heaven and gazing on the face of God, the beatific vision and how gl- majestic mm-hmm. is God's glory, how enormous, how overwhelming is God's glory. And, and then I thought of limbo. Why in the world would I think of limbo? You know what limbo is? Like nowhere. <laughs> oh, when you're in limbo, you're yeah. stuck in nowhere land. Yes. Okay, but you know what theologically limbo is? No. So it's a theological theory in the late Middle Ages that attempted to come up with a question: What happens to unbaptized babies? Unbaptized babies uh, have not been baptized, and therefore they haven't had original sin washed away. And they haven't been regenerated into children of God, elevated to be children of God. So they're still creatures of God, but neither have they committed any personal sin. And so therefore, they're in, a, in this limbo. They're in this middle situation where they haven't been given the gift of heaven through baptism, but neither do they deserve hell for having been born and dying before they were able to be baptized and they didn't have any will or knowledge to make a decision, no sense of conscience, etc. And so, do you know what the uh, theologians said they lived in forever? No. A state of natural happiness. They were happy, but only happy the way a human being would be happy. But what we are called to is supernatural happiness. The happiness that comes from being invited and elevated into gazing on the face of God. So what made you think of limbo when you saw the bright light in your walk? Um, You had said to me that you were reading a book about uh, happiness, healthiness, and holiness. Oh, yes, I did. And when I saw the glory of the, you know, the, the sun, I thought of the glory of God that we've been invited to as God's children and how that ought to completely overwhelmed the idea of human happiness, just natural human happiness that, you know, that theory is so like pitiable compared to what we've been invited to, what we get to share in. So that's what I was thinking about in my walk. That's beautiful. Don't you wish you were there? No, I've been outside way too much today. <laughs> I got sunburned. No, just teasing. Well, this book I'm reading is still Habits for Holiness. And I think it was like chapter, I'm going to just read it. It's chapter 13, or no, chapter 8. And it's um, Cultivating Happiness, Healthiness, and Holiness. And it just goes into how do you do that in the family. Specifically, he says... Uh, uh, the focus of the chapter is going to be on cultivating this, a healthy kingdom in our own lives and families. Um, that's because we understand that by living a healthy, well-cultivated, balanced, and integrated life, we're going to thrive as people of happiness, healthiness, and holiness. And he goes into, do you think the society we live in, particularly the first world society of the West, is not well-integrated or balanced? Are you asking me the question? Yeah. Do you think it's well-integrated or balanced? No. It doesn't propose a lifestyle that's conducive to growing in holiness. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Well, <laughs> go, 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 only, do, do, accept, do. only accept that God gives us the opportunity to grow in holiness in the midst of any circumstances. So on the one hand, any set of circumstances is able to be used by God to turn us into saints. Mm-hmm. It's just some that are more flowing downstream and the others more you're trying to swim upstream. And I think this this whole culture of trying to go up and to the right, this culture of achieving, go, 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 do, 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 is what he says. This way of life was really exposed during COVID, which I think was truly a happy time for our family. 
when everyone was here and we were stuck and we had nothing going on for a couple months anyhow. And just the way in which everything that we thought was important and purposeful and had meaning lost its value, especially going like running after all the sports and running after all the shopping and going after all the, I don't know, it was so amazing. Um, but he gives example of, do you know, like today, how young people that are trying to get into college, like a top college, they have to have this like amazing resume with all these sorts of accolades and they volunteered here and they started this organization and they're in this, you know, they play this instrument. The Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, (laughs) to this sport. And it's just this kind of parents are going after it because they want to do more to achieve, to have more because they have to get ahead, because they have to get into the good school, because for what reason? For what cost? And he says, eventually, this way of life has a very great cost because you end up losing your capacity to pray, to be in stillness, and to understand that God is God and God is in control. And growing in your relationship with Him is what is most important. And I think just, you know, when I see that in the heart of our home or in the hearts of other homes, that's where I know these are my people that we are not trying to outdo each other and outrun each other and out-accolade each other, but that, no, our mission is to grow in holiness, to grow close to the Lord, to bring others to Him. And um, he goes into this whole chapter about how do you do that. And it it's really helpful. I'm not going to get into it right now, but it is really neat to look at this as summer comes upon us. And I know that for a lot of families, things change when the kids come home, um, or maybe grandkids are coming to the house and you just have more time with them. And it's like, well, how, with all this free time we're given because school has stopped. And then it's almost like you have to create more discipline or communication or organization because it allows for a lot more messiness with unstructured time. And so it's, how do you do that as a family? I would say that it's, I said this before in an earlier program, I said, I think that we've moved from a time when society's principal strategy was to get us too busy, right? To disperse us away from prayer, that it's moved to a time where we are being distracted away from prayer. I, I, as many people as you want to point to that are sort of up and to the right, and that's, you know, you think of a um, XY graph and mm-hmm. up and to the right means, you know, you've got this line headed towards uh, greater numbers. Uh, I think we're now just distracted by Netflix and popcorn, um, you know, video streaming and video games and phones and devices, right? It, 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 we're not going up and to the right. We're just distracting ourselves into use, uselessness. It's just unproductive waste. Gee, how do I feel? How do you feel? I I really believe that. (laughs) I'm so convicted of that, that a lot of the problems that we face today are that men are too wimpy, that we become so passive because of screens that we're not willing to take up the courageous role of taking the hill against evils that are destroying our society. We're up against a break, Carrie. Back in a minute with more of the program. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my wife, Carrie. Carrie, one, I'll just say one other quick thing. It's worth repeating. Uh, I was listening to this podcast and this guy was saying that he's a sociologist and he did some research into the unemployment figures. And he's like, this doesn't seem right. We don't have record low unemployment. There seems to be so many people out of work. And he discovered that there are about 7 million uh, men ages 22 to 55 Carrie, are you hearing this? Seven million men. Seven million men, ages 22 to 55, who are neither working nor looking for work. So they're not counted as unemployed because they're not looking for work. So what are these seven million men doing that are neither working nor looking for work and they're age 22 to 55? Are they in their mom's basement? They are... Failure to launch and living on welfare. And do you know what their How number one activity is? Live on welfare. When they statistically say their number, well, COVID payments and all that other money just but gave that people. dried up. I know. So now there's this more creative crisis. I got to find a disability. Okay. Carrie, <laughs> that's terrible. It's so, terrible. But listen, what's the number one activity? Uh, video games. Screens. How many hours a week? 
Okay, so I'd say seven a day times seven, 40, 50 hours a week. 40 hours. They're oh. averaging 2,000 hours a year in front of screens. That's about 40 hours a week. So you have grown men in their most productive years utterly being pacified hmm. by screens. About 40. It's a full-time job. I don't think I could look at screens 40 hours a week. That's why there's depression. That, well, that's what it is, right? You think about, well, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they don't have a motivating vision, they don't have a sense of meaning for their lives, a sense of purpose that willing to face a difficult good, to, to battle for worthy causes. All of those things take second place to what's easy and fun, just watch screens. This says, uh, he, in this chapter, he also calls out marriages where there's a great pressure to have things as a married couple and do things, to travel, to acquire achievements, have a certain salary, a certain lifestyle. And to get that lifestyle, you have to live a certain way. It's kind of keeping go, go, go. Um, this truth... But do you think of that? I, I think that, that that's kind of... I don't want to say it's passe, because there's, a, there's an element of truth to it. But is there anything fresh there? I don't, I don't mean to be overly critical, but... It's, it's really easy to say they're caught up in a rat race and they're chasing after the esteem of others and having stuff and having, uh, you know, the comp- keeping up with the Joneses. Isn't that just a perennial thing? Is there something just specific about it today? Uh, I think that to have us pulled into a direction of fruitfulness and discipleship, it takes a community. I think I'm going to give the same answer. So I'm not saying it's not new, what he's saying, but I still don't feel like they're given the right solution. Um, but in this... Oh, is this where you, you... You talked about this before, that one of the solutions is having a community of people who are like chasing after the same ideal. Is well, that right? I absolutely think that that has to happen because I'm not doing a ton more than I was doing five years ago, 10 years ago. I'm not living a horrible life, but I'm also feeling like I'm not like grain gaining great grounds on my spirituality. I would say that that is, if I, I, like I want to say that there's an honest pain in my heart that I feel like I'm failing God. It's not that I'm like, I've got some secret sin that I'm, you know, doing. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's that I'm not praying on Facebook live. Okay. That is... If I want to, like, just in my heart of hearts, pay attention to little blips and signs that I see showing up. I just have this sense that something's being crowded out of my life. It's live prayer with others on Facebook hmm. and YouTube, I guess, but on the internet. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know why, but that's that. And that for me is community. Yes. Uh, he just mentions that, uh, we're going to flesh them out. Oh, he talks about living a healthy, disciplined life, but he says to be the king, it's all about being the the kingdom, king, prophet, and king. You have to have control or of your interior life. In a certain sense, you have to have the autonomy and the capacity to live in freedom and to make decisions according to reason, according to the truth, and not simply according to your passions. And so this all goes into not living in those lower inclinations toward pleasure and comfort. And he's like, I'm not going to bother you about this point because you've just talked about it and we talk about it all the time. But just a reminder that without discipline, there will not be discipleship. Let's be sure to place this act of dis- discipline under the umbrella of kingship. And he goes into that. Okay, I won't read anymore because I'm boring myself. But anyhow, <laughs> um, I think we're back to that, that uh, back to the beginning. Um, let's start at the very beginning. It's a, that's the musical we're doing, The Sound of Music, for uh, the Oaks in two weeks. I'm super excited for seeing it. One of the things that you've been doing the last few weeks is um, coaching a soccer team of girls from the Oaks. Yes. Has that been fun? Yes. <laughs> but I now have the hand, what is that, hand cream, Boltar. What is it? All the arthritis is coming out of every joint. Um, those has been really good. They're so The kids are really nice. You get to know kids on a sports field, for sure, in a whole different way than in a classroom. And I've never coached – I think I coached a team when I was, like, 19 years old. I coached a little volleyball team. Um, 
but just seeing how they interact, hearing their conversations, hearing them laugh and giggle and enjoy each other. And we're doing a lot of play uh, activities. I kind of make it fun. I think we've done the egg toss, the balloon toss, the water balloon fight, the World Cup tournament. We've done Slurpees, Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I just am having a blast. But um, just being with them in that kind of joyful uh, experience and then seeing them run around and be have recreation is, is just so good. Um, then and that's community. They loved it so much. We loved it so much. We decided to sign up for the Lilac Cup which is about 200 teams at Plants Ferry and next week. Not this weekend because it's Mother's Day weekend. How dare anybody play soccer on Mother's Day? <laughs> but the following weekend. And in the midst of all that, uh, our 13 and 16-year-old got a job. They're now certified official refs so they can make the big bucks and a rough soccer game. So I'm pretty excited for them. Um, but yeah, it's been really good coaching. I'm not a good, like, I'm a good strategist, but not with like 19 girls. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. And so I think I just go for, let's have fun and hang out together and um, share, share lives. Like they share little things about their day. I have them do these little questions. I don't know how we even get any practice in. We more <laughs> just hang out together for an hour and a half. Uh, no, they run around and they kick the ball. I, I I like that you're very strategic even about practice time, right? Um, but here's the thing. it's it, We have changed so much because we've gone from, you know, up and to the right, get our girls on the most, like, prestigious, competitive, highest level soccer team possible to a team where they're going to grow and flourish as young ladies with other young ladies. I'm so glad. I just think that is such a beautiful... What a relief. That's a conversion for us. What a freedom. It's a freedom. Yeah, that is that is a freedom. So, um, But the parents have loved it because they fellowship on the other sideline. They get to spend time together. And I said this to you. I said, this is the first team I've ever watched, not coached, but watched, where I was so excited about the team performing Every single girl on the team oh, you're I was just excited happy for. for. Yeah. I was excited for. All the other teams I've ever, and it have been like 90 teams, I've always had first eyes and almost only eyes on my kid. And is my kid being acknowledged, recognized, getting their fair share, getting their first place, getting, you know, out there. And oh, by the way, oh yeah, I care about the team too. You're the reason why they have those big, long parent coach meetings. <laughs> they have to... Calm down, Dad. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you know, it's... Yes, I know, honey. You're just being authentic. I'm being... And I was trying to be funny, but it's kind of... That was not really nice. Okay. it's... But I just... I'm I'm just so thrilled that being at that game, just to be able to enjoy whoever was shooting, whoever was scoring, whoever was playing, and I wasn't even like, look, hey, how come... Annalise isn't out there. Why? What is she doing in the goal? What's? Why isn't Luciana playing more? Mm-hmm. Not at all. I just was celebrating with the parents, just being together there, watching the game and, and having fun. Except for that one team that I want to crush. In Jesus' <laughs> holy name. It's so, always in Jesus' name. It's always in Jesus' holy name, folks. Okay, all right, so Carrie, we are at the end of our program. Sorry. Wait. Oh wait. Well, everyone have an amazing Mother's Day weekend. Yes. I just Say a I'm, for us. my Pray heart for is with all these moms. It's just it's hard, but it should be great and. I just hope it's great for everyone. In Jesus' holy name. (laughs) Amen. Thank you all. God bless you.